0: In this episode, Ryan and I talk about laddering and stacking whole life insurance policies, limiting the premium payment period. We uh, talk about Nelson, what the infinite banking concept should look like and what it should not look like. Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. And I'm your co-host, Ryan Griggs. And we're having fun today and we're glad that you're here with us. Um, It's going to get funner. (laughs) (laughs)
1: and today we have a a a complex topic in fact i have not heard this concept uh discussed critically anywhere online Mm. not on youtube not on any of the blogs um i've certainly seen it promoted i've seen people saying that what we're going to talk about today is the way to go in terms of doing ibc but i've not seen the the strategy like critically examined it's always just sort of been assumed that this would be the this would be what you would do Uh, so we're talking today about and it's called a number of things right you can call it maybe it's called laddering or stacking or whatever the terminology might be it's the idea of funding a policy that's built for the infinite banking concept for a limited number of years and it might be seven, five, four, three, whatever the limited, probably single digit number of years it is, the proposal, the idea out there is that you should fund a policy for let's say four years and then you should stop paying the PUA, stop paying that second kind of premium, the paid up additions, and instead only pay the base premium, which in an IBC policy should be the smaller of the two, right and then with that freed up cash flow the money that you were sending to the pua on that policy you should go start another one that's the idea we're
0: gonna touch on to to discuss (laughs) and really there there are kind of two parts to this you know laddering stacking accelerating all of the terminology that's out there Um, but then that's I mean, part of that construct, part of that design, is a short payment, or a shorter time period of premium payments, mm-hmm. which is um, another. I mean, there. So we're going to talk about two things, but literally, you could we could talk about two hours on each. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they do overlap, so that's that, – yeah, they yeah. do.
0: They absolutely do overlap. So, and now when you say that you haven't you haven't seen it critically discussed. Um, but you've heard about it. Where have you heard about it? Can I ask?
1: No, <laughs> You I'm, tell me not to name names, and then you
0: ask me where I've heard about I it. I didn't say name names. <laughs> I'm just, if you didn't see it or hear it on YouTube, okay. Um, you've seen it. I mean, I've we've all it. been exposed to that yeah, and in if, the infinite banking world.
1: Absolutely. And if someone's doing their research, they're just getting involved in infinite banking, they're Googling around, they're reading articles, they're reading blogs, they're watching videos, they're going to see it. Yes. And it might not be identified as that's what this is, right? It could just be presented as, oh, this is is the infinite banking concept. Yeah. If they even use those words, they might use their own brand, but don't want to digress too far. They'll present it as if this is the way to do it. And so be very clear, this is our view, our interpretation, based on our understanding of infinite banking and what whole life is and how powerful it is. You know that—that's the perspective we bring when we analyze and we offer what we're going to offer about this idea. Um, so, it, some, my point in that is that sometimes it can be hard to identify. Oh, that's what so and so. That's what this agent. That's what this financial entertainer. That's what this YouTuber is talking about, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, you have to watch for the language. You have to. You can often see it in the illustration. Uh, if the individual who's promoting it talks you through. How you're going to pay premium through the future? It'll it'll likely become more obvious, uh, but it's not always front and center. Is my point. And so our goal, at least my goal, is to put it front and center and be like, is this what we should be doing? Hmm. And um, of course, I don't. You know, it's like <laughs> I like no how you put, I, I, I like how you put it so. You know, infinite banking is so good. Whole life is so good. You should only pay into it for a few years.
0: Yeah. No. You think about that. Okay. So. I I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's the best place to put money. So don't do it very long, <laughs> right? So, okay, uh, let's just start with the stacking, the laddering, yeah, um, the accelerator, whatever terminology someone uses to describe this thing. Um, and and when and you kind of mentioned it too, talking about a dividend-paying whole life insurance policy structured as Nelson discovered and then brought scale to, the part of the premium is a base premium. The base premium is a whole life policy that's payable to age 65 to 100 to 121. And that's a contractual obligation. That premium is going to be paid whether the owner writes a check for that portion or not. If they don't, then that premium will be paid from the policy values and through surrenders and various ways to do that. And I know that we're, there is a lot of industry language that you have to kind of sift through. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. Um, but that's the, the basis, right? There's a whole life policy. And then there's a rider on that whole life policy that's in addition to that whole life policy. And that rider that we're talking about is the paid-up additions, mm-hmm. router. Different companies call it different names and they all have their different yep. um, allowances, when you can pay, PUA premium, when you can't, and, and the limit, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when, you're, when we're talking about laddering, when we use the term laddering, or stacking, or velocity, or whatever terminology is out there, Typically, what you see is and and let me use a premium example. Let, let's say that we have a ten or no a hundred because they don't use small numbers. I had some zeros on that puppet. I'm oh, telling no. you,' okay. place over. So let's say that we have a one hundred thousand dollar annual premium. and just for simplicity's sake in this conversation yep, round numbers, fifty thousand dollars is a base annual premium payment. and then fifty thousand is paid yep. to the PUA premium. Mm-hmm. So I have $100,000 total premium. 50000 is going to the base PUA. 50000 is going to the paid-up edition driver. Base premium and then PUA, yep. Right. And now, listen, somebody don't um, – you can contort illustrations to the nth degree. That, and we, we kind of have fun talking about illustrations and what's wrong with them and what's wrong <laughs> with the people who present them. But nothing personal, I'm just saying. Um so I don't care how they move these numbers around, sure. you know, there's 10,000 to the base, 50,000 to the PUA. In my example, this conversation, we can use 100,000 total premium, 50,000 to the base, 50,000 to the PUA or 50,000 to the paid up addition rider. The laddering, the stacking is I'm going to pay a $100,000 premium typically it takes somewhere between the fourth and the seventh year on an annual cash flow basis when i pay a hundred thousand or one hundred thousand dollar premium there there will be an equal or greater increase in cash value in that year so they typically you know go out to there Mm -hmm. and then they say and and look uh, i say i've seen it i've heard it many different ways you can really even do this in year one. That'll be most efficient is what I hear, right? Okay. Here, all of the paid-up additions premium, that's, that's what creates early cash value. There is no cash value in typical whole life insurance. So if I pay a $100,000 the premium, the early cash values are coming from the paid-up additions rider. In this example of 100, 50 to the base, 50 to the PUA, I'm going to immediately have about $50,000 in cash value. All right, yeah, so ish. Oh, my
1: God. It, like, it's not exactly that, right? The numbers will vary. In this, vary example, yeah, in this example. In this example. Okay. I to make sure that
0: so no one gets- Because infinite banking that. is so good, it's mystical and it's magical, you should borrow against that $50,000 in cash value in year one and go start another policy, a second policy, out of that Stacking fifty thousand
1: the policies. Right? Right.
0: That's the I'm I'm laddering. I'm gonna go right up the ladder and then fall off probably. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now out of this second policy premium of fifty thousand dollars, I'm gonna have twenty five thousand in cash value from the PUA, twenty five thousand to the base. I should take third policy mm-hmm. and I, so the second policy I'm going to collateralize all of the cash value that I can in this case $25,000 i am going to start a third policy $25,000 premium mm-hmm. of Four which five. I'm going to have about 12500 in first year cash values and a 12500 that was from the PUA and then a $12,500 base whole life premium yeah so um, that's kind and of, and this is, this what I just talked through was in the first year example. And I mean, if you're going to do it, hurry up and do it, right? Um, but you see it in the third year, fourth year, fifth year, whatever. Mm-hmm. Anytime you see it, you should raise an eyebrow, my opinion, okay? Number one, the insurance companies don't like it because you're borrowing money to pay a premium, and I'm not saying that's good, bad, or indifferent. They don't like it, mm-hmm. right? And now, <laughs> the implication is, you're you're doing what the banks are doing, mm. right? You're leveraging, you know, capital and cash flows, and since you're not a bank, you can't create money out of thin air, so this is the next best thing, all mm. right? And, and then, oh, you're getting more than one use out of a dollar. Look, you have a $100,000 premium, you know it's a the dollars from that premium are paying the second the third year Mm. or the second the third policy premiums and so then you just run those illustrations forever and it's like oh my gosh you should have started with a million the second (laughs) policy should have been (laughs) five hundred thousand or you should tweak them where there's more going to the pua and less going to the base or whatever are you
1: saying they should have paid as much premium as possible under the first policy
0: am i saying that um yeah, when yes whenever some whenever you understand what's going on so you've done your research you've done your vetting you've done your reading and yes i even see that on facebook or youtube or wherever it's like oh my god those guys want you to read a book like that's a bad thing <laughs> <laughs> right yeah no it is okay to read a book and to have a long list of uh and and so does Nelson, or Nelson had a long reading mm-hmm. list. Yes, you should read books. Yes, you should educate yourself. Um, so, yes, should you pay as much money into dividend-paying whole life insurance as you can rap, wrap your mind around? Yes, that's my position, but that doesn't mean you should go out tomorrow and just start buying life insurance. Yeah, That's not what I'm saying. Okay, my, so that's kind of the basis, mm-hmm. right?
1: My, so my point there, and, and as we start to dissect this a little bit, is that- even on its own terms that laddering or stacking strategy itself would have been better if the premium was initially higher so in my mind what the assump- what they're jumping over here is that you want to be able to you want to pay as much premium as possible anyway and the the question becomes okay do i continue make those premium payments do i continue to pay in or do i as soon as is possible in your example you said in year one right In others they might show years four to seven or whatever it might be do i take a policy loan collateralized by the cash value to start another policy and and then begin funding that one or or do we go with a policy that is going to be able to accept As much income as I might reasonably want or expect to pay over the next, I say, zero to five years. You know, can't really know what your income's going to be beyond that. Um, So, do I do I build a policy big enough to accept the kind of income that I want to pay in premium anyway, or do I split it up and stack these policies? Uh, And I think what we're saying here is where we fall is that the better way is to build the policy right. In the first place, and pay that premium, and <laughs> and continue to pay that premium for as long as you can. Right, the more you pay in, the better, the bigger the numbers are, the bigger the cash value, death benefit, and dividends will be. Right, as opposed to, I you think know, the underlying reason that I discuss with people here is that, you know, the risk associated with putting new business in force from the life insurance company's perspective is there in the initial years, right? You pay uh, two pay periods premium. Maybe that's two months premium. Maybe it's a year's premium. And suppose that insured individual then graduates, as Nelson would say, right after, right? So you've paid in a relatively small amount and the life insurance company has a big chunk of death benefit to pay out. right? So the risk of a substantial loss is in the initial years of a life insurance, a whole dividend-paying whole life policy. To the insurance company. To the insurance company. That risk bears cost, and therefore the cost is front-loaded in the initial years of the policy. That's why it takes 9 to 12 or 14, however many years it takes to get to that cash-on-cash period where your cumulative premium, the premium you've paid since day one, is equal to or lesser than the cash value right it takes some time to get to that point and it also takes some time to get to the point where the cash value is growing faster or by a greater amount than what you pay in in a given year right so that's your capitalization period it's the startup cost of getting into the quote-unquote banking business as Nelson would talk about it right so there that initial cost period is in the initial years and like Nelson would say gives the airplane example you know as the airplane's flying it's burning fuel as the airplane burns fuel it gets lighter so it's e- it takes less fuel to fly it right it gets e- uh, more efficient over time by design yeah the engine
0: output is the same
1: right same same principle applies here dividend paying whole life in terms of cash value growth uh increases in the death benefit becomes <clears throat> more efficient over time and so from my perspective the idea of intentionally starting that higher cost period as many times as possible sounds a lot like encouraging the client encouraging the policy owner to experience more cost to pay more ter- so it's
0: you know, Well, the agent got paid. Exactly. I mean, part that of this- That doesn't fr- hurt, does it? <laughs> <laughs> front loading you know, um, by construct on a, a whole life policy, the, the cost of that policy is weighted in the first two years Why there's no cash value, just what you said. But part of that expense to the insurance company is distribution of their product, mm-hmm. right? So the agents, nobody's, you're not working for free. I'm not, no one's working for free. No one wants, okay, so the agents- uh, cost the 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 payment the the income to the agent is um, of course paid by the policy owner the consumers pay for everything but that's taken into account and is part of that loss of liquidity in the first couple of years and I don't want to jump over that I mean nobody nobody expects anyone to work for free and you're exactly right if if you're entering into the highest um, expense period as many times as you can throughout your life there's uh maybe something wrong with that okay but if you look at this I, if, I, I if, don't, I, if how if do I'm,
1: they even explain around that it's
0: like, I, I don't know i'm fairy dust and, and you know rainbows i don't i don't know i mean i don't i truly want to i'm smiling and laughing but i truly want to know what
1: what would be the explanation for that
0: well i think well i think that that um i say fairy dust and rainbows you know i mean these illustrations that are created and as you look at one dollar so if i pay you know, one dollar into the first life insurance policy that's all of the out of pocket cash flow. The other comes from the loan against that policy, is what's funding the second policy. It's not an out of pocket per se. And then the third policy and the fourth. I've seen these, I've seen an example one time that the policies were la- laddered out like 10 different policies. Now, theoretically, can that work? Theoretically, can that work? Sure. Sure. Theoretically, it can work. Right. And you can illustrate Compared it all day to what? long. Right. Um, So there's not really an out of pocket startup cost. You know, if I'm only paying the premium out of pocket in year one of the first policy, the second policy premium is coming from the cash values from the first policy, not out of my pocket in that at that time. Yes. Yes. Right. Okay. So my out of pocket is really the premium that is being paid in that first policy. And then you just illustrate that out mm. and you look at what $1 does over mm. time going through all these diff- illustrated, going through all of these different policies. Yeah. Now, so theoretically it, it can work and, and visually it looks really good. And this is another example of playing games with numbers on yes. the page, in my opinion. Okay. Um, And then let me say that too. There may or may not be on that same page illustrations. I mean, anywhere from twelve to forty-eight pages, right? Sure. But there's an outstanding loan illustrated on that in that illustration as well. So let's don't jump over that. All right. So you, if I'm going to borrow, oh my gosh, yes. Being charged interest, whether you pay it or not, it's going to be paid. You know, when you die uh, from and so the fairy dust the rainbows yes. okay, so, yeah so
1: playing games yeah. with numbers I don't want to jump up, and when we say it can it can work I didn't well,
0: say it, I said it's theoretically, theoretically possible, possible. I Sure, mean,
1: but I'm going to say what that means and be okay. extremely precise what that means is that e- the policy will remain in force it is true that if you conduct those You pay a premium, you borrow against it to pay another premium on a new policy. Those policies, actuarially speaking, theoretically speaking, can remain in force. Sure, that's not. But when we when we when we say that, oh, that second policy has no startup cost, or look, we're getting a a free use out of that initial premium dollar on the first policy. (laughs) It's just like the auto lender who says, "I'll give you zero percent interest financing for five years." Yeah right no interest you're not pay you won't pay interest mm-hmm. okay ask that auto lender what the cost of the car is if you pay cash yep. right suddenly the the cost is lower the price well, is lower maybe so what they've yep. what they've done is moved the financing charge from interest on the whatever <coughs> statement you might have to another part of the transaction so that it's out of view right but I it's still me. there right you're still paying it in the sense of opportunity cost you're still Things you would have paid less had you done something else, right? And so, when we talk about in terms of this laddering or stacking thing, it's not that you're get. It is not the case that there is no startup cost to that second laddered policy or that second stacked policy. There is an opportunity cost, and. On the one hand, you've touched on it, that there's a policy loan balance that will be associated with the cash value in that first policy. That's true. And it's the gonna, second one and, and the a, third one yep. and everyone. There's all yep. that. No question. And that's going to accumulate interest as well. But you're also giving up the growth you otherwise would have had in the later years of the initial policy had you paid the premium on the first policy. Right? had you continued to pay premium into that policy, you're giving up the growth that would have occurred down the line as the policy becomes more efficient, that's what you're giving up. You're giving up the most, the highest growth period, you're cutting the curve short. You're taking that you're, exponential you're, curve. Yeah, you're,
0: you're, you're limiting the, the right side of the curve, the exponential right. curve, you're cutting off the most efficient, no, no yep. question.
1: In order to pay the agent's commission. It,
0: Okay. Well, that's only on the first policy. That happens on every single policy yes. that you use as yes. a laddering. Now, let's go forward. Um, what are you really doing here? Well, you're taking every bit you're violating first, let's say. Oh, Nelson's yeah. four fundamentals. Oh, yeah. Think long range. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you may be thinking long range here, but it's the thinking needs to be adjusted, in my opinion. hmm the second, don't be afraid to capitalize. You're you're afraid to capitalize, right? Because you, you, if you take everything out or leverage everything possible that is available in a policy, you're violating that, mm-hmm. right? You're afraid to capitalize. Yep. It's so bad. I can't do this. I can't leave money here. You know, I've got to go put it to work here, there, or wherever, more smoke and mirrors or yes. what have you. Okay, but you're giving up the efficiency of every policy that you do that with. Now, you're creating an outstanding loan right that's going to compound and it cannot out compound the cash values from each policy each one of these have a loan that's increasing every time you borrow against that cash value to pay the premium on the next policy right all right so now let's say that, that theoretically it, it, it works because the dividends were paid and and the loans are not out compounding the cash values how much of your total death benefit are you spending when you graduate, because the death benefit collateralizes the outstanding loan in each policy. So, what are you really doing here? What are you really getting done? You're not solving for death benefit because the out, the compounding outstanding loan is going to either weigh your death benefit, and you, you you might have a net death benefit. Um, and you're not you're not using the capital for any other thing than buying the next policy. So yes, the agent's getting paid over and over and over and over. And I don't. Um, I believe every worker is worthy of their hire. This is. And is there a particular case that this might work? Maybe twenty eight years in the financial world, I've never ran across it. it. Never excited me. I never had the thought. Oh, I should ladder policies now. If I digress a minute. Um, there's a Nelson Nash passed away. God bless him at 88. His counterpart um, was a man called Bob Shields. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a Scottish man. He was a, he's graduated as well. He, he's a Scottish man that lived in Canada. Had been a life insurance agency for years and years. And he wrote a book. And we'll try to put it in the show notes. A link to it. Um, uh, you don't have to die to win. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now, I, I had the pleasure of the opportunity to listen to him. Ta- I actually listened to a recording of him talking, right? And this was some years ago. Mm-hmm. But I heard him say in his Scottish brogue, very, very, he had to listen. I had to listen very intently to understand what he was saying. Mm-hmm. But I heard him say. I know how that feels. <laughs> I don't know why. Because Lubbock? <laughs> what? I mean, <laughs> So, Bob said one time, if you don't have to borrow money to pay a premium, you're probably not paying enough premium. All right. So, I'm just saying oh. that, is there a time that you may have to borrow to pay a premium? I don't know. Mm. Okay. That is That has nothing to do with laddering. Yeah. Okay. I just want to make the point that if I have an asset I, I that like this this is exactly what dividend paying life insurance is is an asset and it's going to get better over time i want to put as much money in as i possibly can that does not mean that i want to leverage as much of the cash value as i possibly can okay
1: i love the example that you've i've heard you give and nelson give before where it's like you're going to plant a fruit tree that Mm -hmm. takes a few years to start bearing fruit Mm -hmm. and as soon as it starts bearing fruit The idea is to stop taking care of that tree. Cut it down immediately. Stop taking care of the soil, right? paying the premium. Stop watering it. Stop Mm -hmm. tending it. Stop Mm -hmm. maintaining it. Go Mm -hmm. plant another one.
0: Yeah. Same way with the shade tree, right? When's the best time to plant a shade tree? We've all heard it. Well, 20 years ago. When's the second best time today? Okay, well, you're not going to cut that shade tree down the first time it sprouts forth leaves, which is exactly what you're doing here. Mm -hmm. Now, and I'm all for... Um, checking for figs is what i call it you know i mean if i see a fig tree far off and i go and i expect a fig and i don't see one i'm okay cutting it down Mm -hmm. that's not what we're talking about (laughs) i'm just saying no idea what you just said (laughs) all right well you you mentioned fruit fruit trees right yeah and so in, in 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 my practice in our practice um because I'm not married to any of the life insurance companies mm. or the financial mm-hmm. world, I'm married to my beautiful wife. Um, if an asset is not producing fruit, then the owner of the asset needs to take corrective actions. Sure. And I'm just referencing Matthew, Jesus, seeing the oh, fig yeah. tree from afar off, yep. and went over, there expecting a fig, there was no fig, so he tore it down. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's all I'm saying. I got you. That's I, my reference, checking for pigs. No, that's good.
1: <laughs> and what I want to say this too, it's like, just to make sure we're clear here, what we're not saying is that you should never start another policy, right? That, that, that would be the polar opposite of this. It's not the case that we're saying, look, you should only start one and only have one. Both of us are aware, as you will, and becoming your own banker and see in our review of that book uh how nelson talks about there, there comes a time when it's appropriate to expand your system when it's appropriate to start another policy and so i get that question a lot when should we start another policy look if it's not in year one if i shouldn't be borrowing against my cash value in my current policy to pay premium on, on another policy well when should I start another policy? And my, what I encourage people is, you know, as soon as your income rises sufficiently such that you need more capacity to pay a premium, that is when we will start another policy, restart <coughs> that growth curve in a second policy, right? So it's, look, Nelson had 49 policies at his height. Right mm-hmm. when he was at the, his peak in his uh, income-generating life cycle. Uh, there's nothing against having more than one policy. There's not a limit on the quantity per se of policies. Right, There's limits when it comes to the death benefit, but in terms of the number of policies, there's no limit, and there does come a time if income rises sufficiently where another policy is justified. So I just want to make sure we're dotting our I's and crossing our T's here. We're not saying that more policies are better a bad thing, but to go into it from uh, day one and intentionally, strat- strategically plan to limit your premium beneath what your ability to pay premium is, that's what we have an issue with.
0: Well, that's yeah, I have an issue with. No, no, that's very very well said, but we're specifically talking about laddering in this example, right, right? Um, and then, And then, in addition to that, is short paying a premium. You know, only funding, paying premiums for four years, five years, seven years, um, and then buying another policy, which may not necessarily be laddering. I'm not... So, there's kind of two things. One, laddering, borrowing money from one policy to purchase another policy to borrow money against that policy to purchase another policy. I mean, that's specifically laddering. Mm -hmm. And then what you're speaking to should i have more than one palsy and the way i convey it is you should put as much money into life insurance properly designed as you can wrap your mind around there are limits the only limits though um, outside of what's between our ears right which is the greatest limiter of mankind in my opinion but there's a there's a limit on how much total death benefit enforced any of us can have, Mm. and that's a function of your income um, and a factor of your age. That limits the financial underwriting of a life insurance policy, so there's that limit. And then it's total death benefit enforced, and then the other financial underwriting of a life insurance policy limitation is you can only pay a certain percentage of your income in premium, right? So, um, on the laddering, uh, before we move on from that, what what is really being done here? Well, we know the insurance agent's getting paid every time, right? We know that we're creating loans, outstanding loan balances. Stealing the peas, Absolutely. Violating the, the fundamental principles that Nelson set forth, thinking long range, not being afraid to capitalize, don't steal the peas, and then don't do business with banks. Which, by the
1: way, if you do this and you purposefully reduce the amount of capital you have access to, you're simultaneously increasing the likelihood that you will have to rely on banks and third-party lenders. Oh. So you might not be violating that fourth rule, but you're getting right close to it.
0: Well, your snob to me. It's a violation because, the, and then the fifth one that he added was change the way you're thinking. And this is an expansion of incorrect thinking. Yeah. Okay. So you're violating violent. every rule. Right. Okay. So we're creating these outstanding loans. All right. Let's say that nothing goes wrong. You know, theoretically, it's possible. So you graduate. All of the death benefits are reduced by the compounding outstanding loans so the net death benefit is going to be questionable if things don't go well right i mean theoretically (coughs) the policies are (coughs) excuse me doing you know what we expect them to do but something out of your control happens and you can't pay that first hundred thousand dollar premium in this example um which is um the need to do that is the every future policy that you've laddered is dependent upon that first $100,000 premium. So if something happens outside of your control and all of your capital is leveraged, you've created this outstanding loan, that policy lapses, now you've got an outstanding loan, right? And you're gonna have a an incredible taxable event in that year. So whatever uh, terrible thing that happened that you couldn't continue this premium cash flow Mm -hmm. right whatever however bad that was it's going to be compounded by a great big tax bill so um i just didn't want to leave Oh, that's absolutely valid okay so now if we moved on to the short payment of a premium you know i only want to fund it for four years five years or 10 year whatever it is um it speaks to it's so good, I don't want to put any money in there, or it's so good, I want to limit how long I can put money into it, there's something wrong with that thinking, or there's a deficit in understanding and being able to clearly see what is happening and what you can and cannot do, And and, okay. Um, But speaking on that limited pay, years ago, I haven't seen it as much lately. A non-forfeiture option. I know I hate to even talk industry (laughs) language.
1: That big three-syllable word.
0: (laughs) But (laughs) look, you can reduce pay up a policy in seven years, which just means you're reducing the death benefit. And it's a guaranteed non-forfeiture option only existing in a whole life policy. Does not exist in universal life of any kind wonder why okay so in the seventh year you can with the company by election you can say i don't want to pay a premium any longer and so you want to reduce the death benefit of this policy and it become paid up so it's reduced paid up it's it, it's 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 final once that's done once that election is done it's done you can't undo that Mm -hmm. okay so you cannot pay it
1: will no longer accept premium
0: right it's you can't undo it is that bad no it's a non-forfeiture option but i see i used to see a lot of that pay a seven years premium and then go start another policy yeah right um not necessarily laddering probably from that you know some guy got the idea that hey let's ladder let's do this 10 more times um and, and then the genesis, I don't really know where it comes from. You know, there's 10-pay policies, 20-pay policies, and what have you. I know in Nelson's book and Equipment Financing, Becoming Your Own Banker, that book, um, he illustrated premium payments and equipment financing for four years. Well, why'd he do that? For the reader. It's just an example, right? Is that the way that you should lower the premium? No, those premiums were being paid. By all of his banking activity. If you just continue in illustration number two, three, four, five, and yeah. illustration number six. Um, okay, so the, uh, and my point here is uh, Nelson didn't create this idea. Nelson never laddered policies. Nelson never stopped paying a premium unless they were 10 pay. You know, before paid up editions riders came out, 10 pay policies were available. He bought a lot of 10 pay policies. Why? Well, because they didn't have PUA riders. Uh-huh. So. And I don't know everything that Nelson done. I just know everything that he shared with me. (laughs) Right. Okay. Which is probably a lot. Um,
1: Yeah. And then I don't. On the other hand, too, because I've got people who you know they have a certain amount of money coming in for a certain period of years, and they want to do something with that money. So it's not the case, and I and we're not saying you can correct me if this is is what you're saying, but I doubt it that there can be uses when a reduced paid up policy is appropriate. But to go yeah, in yeah, from absolutely. the outset and saying, look, our goal is to limit the amount of time from the get-go that we're going to be able to pay that premium so that we can start another policy. That's the, that strategy is what we're critical of here. Right? At the end of the day, an individual always we want the individual to have the ability to continue to pay premium if their income-generating ability allows.
0: Right. And not only do we want them to have the ability, we want them to have the contractual right. right. I don't mind putting the life insurance company in the headlock by contract. Right. And, 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 and so I completely agree with you. Um, that is an ability, a contractual right that a policy owner has with a whole life policy is reduced paid up. Is that legitimate? Depending on their circumstances, absolutely. I'm just saying as a matter of correct banking, this is the way to do that. It is not correct, right? It is not a correct assumption to limit how much premium you can pay into a policy or reduce a policy premium so you can go start another policy. Is there anything wrong with owning multiple policies? Absolutely not. I personally have started lots of policies, reduced the premium, as a place to put money in the future, you know, is it legitimate? Sure, that that's legitimate. But I understand, you know, at the time I understood, you know, my – the I was building those policies, right? So um, – and I think that's out in the big, wide world. But I'm just saying I paid high premiums in year one, reduced the premium, and went forward – Multiples of years. I think the one that's out there, I went forward four years, raised the premium back up, and then backfilled the policy. You know, and really, that there's probably shouldn't advanced, be out there because yeah, no, there's an
1: advanced topic
0: right there. Uh, yeah, I mean that. So,
1: but yes, totally possible.
0: Yeah, it's totally possible. Right but company. you know, that wasn't the first, second, or third, or fifth, or eighth policy I owned either. Right. You know what I mean? So, I have bought policies as a place to put money. Had nothing to do with laddering. I didn't Mm -hmm. borrow against that cash value to purchase other policies. As a matter of fact, I borrowed against that policy to finance things that I was going to purchase anyway. (laughs) So, um, anyway, so I want the contractual right, personally, to pay a premium as long as I possibly can. And then I also want the ability to reduce that premium if i need to Mm -hmm. and this is critical in my opinion to work with someone who understands what they're doing you know and has maybe done it themselves Mm -hmm. right i mean um and i'm not that's i'll just leave that there work do the vetting do the research do the reading and work with somebody that's competent don't um, be educated right understand if you're gonna buy life insurance understand the contractual rights that you have and understand the contractual obligations that you have yeah. and then it's okay to understand what and how your actions will affect the policy mm-hmm. so
1: and know what you're buying i had a conversation the other day with a colleague about another colleague who had expressed that this the individual had expressed that they they had an infinite banking policy, yeah, and it's uh, so oh it's whole life. Well, no, I think it's a, a UL IUL
0: indexed universal indexed life, indexed
1: universal life. Which then they're not doing infinite banking. That's not the case. But the point of this that conversation was that this individual didn't know what they had purchased. Right, and that happens. I, it astonishes me how often that happens, and it doesn't have to be that way.
0: Okay, so to, so to summarize, wrap this up. <clears throat> I mean, I don't know. That no, we don't yep, right happen. on
1: it. Yep, you're good.
0: Okay. The laddering, stacking, accelerating, taking one policy, borrowing against it to purchase another policy, to take that cash value available to borrow against the third policy and so on and mm-hmm. so on and so on. Um, it's a fragile construct. Mm-hmm. and probably could it work in a particular case sure. maybe i haven't seen one but it you know it could work
1: violates all of what nelson talked about and if you've read becoming your own banker you want to do infinite banking the way nelson put forth you know what what you know that is not what he put forth is this laddering and stacking strategy that's just not it and so maybe somebody wants to do that maybe there's other reasons don't know what they would be but maybe they don't want to do infinite banking or they want to do whatever the other brand has developed or whatever you know have at it but in terms of if you want to do what Nelson Nash put forward and becoming your own banker none of those policies none of those illustrations are RPU reduced paid up uh, you don't want to cut off a fruit tree stop feeding it stop maintaining it just when it starts to bear fruit right the highest cost time in the life cycle of a whole life policy is the beginning a consumer pays all the costs uh, that you're on the hook you're going to live for a fixed number of years and the more of those years you spend <laughs> no pun intended the more number of you, the greater the number of years you spend paying greater cost will reduce what the benefits otherwise could have been and so when someone says oh look we can play games with these numbers on this page with this illustration and look at the benefit and it's look there's no upfront cost or there's no uh, you're getting something for nothing how about that, right? Immediately, red flags should go up. alert should go off. If someone's trying to tell you you can get something for nothing or, or avoid a cost just by moving money here or there, it's not the case. There's always an opportunity cost, and, in fact, the opportunity cost in this case is the greatest, most beneficial period of growth, which is going to be later on in the policy. That's what you're giving up if you intentionally, purposefully restrict the premium you otherwise could have paid. So, that's yeah, but
0: can't you can't you just imagine what that internal rate of return would be oh, on geez. that first policy premium? <laughs> this so uh, we can agree that this is not infinite banking. This is not becoming your own banker. Thanks for listening. I had fun. Talk to you next time. I knew you would too. <laughs>
1: so. Cool.